Hey, this is Sean Powers and Mark Haley, and uh, we're kicking off Hello My Name Is, which is a new podcast for Living Hope. We're part of the men's leadership team, and uh, this idea kind of just came up organically in one of our LH men's meetings over at Lost Pizza in Carryville. We were all getting together and talking about how can we connect with other men in this group and get other men connected in this church. Uh, everybody's really busy and, and, you know, when you're going through uh, church on Sunday and, and trying to get through service and everything, it's, uh, it's tough to stop and have a, a deep conversation with men. So we wanted to put some really cool stories out there that exist in our body and, uh, just let everybody get to know each other that way and, and hopefully spur other relationships. So the name of the podcast is hello. My name is, and that gives us the opportunity to introduce all sorts of men from Living Hope to other men at Living Hope surrounding their lives, their businesses, their stories, their passions. And it's really open-ended to just allow people to put names with stories. Uh, maybe you identify with somebody's business or their passions or life experience. Hey, this is Jamie Hill. I'm on the podcast team also. And this podcast is not a teaching time. This is just more of dudes sitting around talking, hearing each other's stories and getting to know each other. So that's what that's all about. Um, I want to introduce our guest. His name is Greg Ward. Greg told me at church one morning that he had finished the Appalachian Trail. It just blew my mind. And as soon as he said it, I thought, this is our first podcast victim. <laughs> so um, I want to introduce Greg Ward to you. And um, we have a lot of questions for him. Greg, so tell us tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what your background is, what your uh, what your job's been for years, and and what led to uh, to this passion. Hello, my name is Greg Ward. Well, I grew up uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, which coincidentally is very close to the Appalachian Trail. After high school, I chose to join the military. I went in the Air Force, uh, where I did law enforcement. And after the military, I went to work at a small police department in southwest Virginia. Had the opportunity to go to work for the U.S. Postal Service as a letter carrier. Worked for the Postal Service for years and then uh, had the opportunity to start my own business that uh, revolved around postal services. Sold my company and went off to uh, get my master's degree and I landed in Memphis. My most recent job was at Barnhart Crane and Rigging, a wonderful Christian company where I was their facilities manager for the last eight years until I retired. What about family? I'm married to Denise uh, for 18 years, and I have uh, three sons. All right, so this, this app trail trip, how did that come about? Where did the passion come from? How long have you been planning to do it? Answer some of those questions for us. Help us help us help us find out how you got to where you, where you wanted to do it. I grew up literally a stone's throw from the Appalachian Trail. I was on the trail off and on my entire life. Kind of had this pipe dream because I knew it was this epic adventure. I had this pipe dream of of hiking it, but I also realized that it's way beyond anything I could have ever conceived. When I lived in Blacksburg, I connected with three other men, and we decided one Christmas that each year we were going to do a 10-day backpacking trip in the western United States. 
So that began a relationship with these three guys that we just made a commitment every year to, to go out in the West, in the wild, and be off the grid for, for 10 days. The interesting thing about that is that usually by about day seven or eight, after eating the same food and being filthy and sweaty and tired, I was ready to come home. So to think about doing something that's going to take five to six months, it didn't seem logical. Um, one of the one of my hiking buddies has done like all of Virginia and most of North Carolina. So he's done six six seven hundred miles of of the trail. So it's it's and I've hiked with him on parts of the Appalachian Trail over the years. We would do a three or four day trip. We'd go to the Smokies or someplace mm-hmm. like that. I don't know, as, as I started to think about retirement and what I would do, the something just reignited that desire to get back in the woods and, and, to, and to try this. One of the ways I was successful was that I told a thousand people I was going to go do a through hike on the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and so, out. so your ego, you write this check that you've now, you, that <laughs> you your butt's, you your butt's, your butt's got to cash this check. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's how I kind of got there. I got support from Denise, uh, my wife. Uh, she was she was willing to let me go away for a, a, a good long while. And, uh, and I spent about eight months in advance of the trip, of actually leaving to go on the trip. I spent about eight months preparing for the hike. I looked at maps. I looked at, you know, daily distances. I thought about food. Because you know, you believe it or not, you got to eat about between thirty five hundred and sixty five hundred calories a day, uh, and it's impossible to do that. Honestly, um, I created an—I'm a little bit of a nerd—but I created an Excel spreadsheet that with a hiking plan for the first one thousand miles, which would have been just under half of the way. So total mi- total distance is what twenty two hundred miles. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, I made this spreadsheet, and and what I incorporated into it was the elevation gain and loss for each day and the distance I would travel each day. Also, where I was planning kind of loosely to camp, there were a lot of shelters and places like that that you would, you would want to do. But on a day when the, mile, when the elevation gain was going to be, let's say, 9,000 feet up and down, you know, my mileage plan would, was kind of pared back. And on days when it wasn't quite that, I would ex- expand it, mm-hmm. but on but on average, I did about I averaged about fifteen miles a day yeah. on the wow. trail, which would be about eight hours of hiking. Uh, you can generally hike about two to two and a half miles an hour. Yeah. What about physical preparation? Did you have to start working out to to build up strength to this point? Or I'd like to tell you that I did a whole bunch of stuff, but um, I did get on a stair machine maybe about a month out and tried and I put, I would put my backpack on and, and get on a stair machine for 20 minutes or whatever, but it's, it's not enough. Um, you were just born a beast, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I I was just fortunate that God has, has given me generally good physical condition, you know, no major health issues. So you, so you did eight months of prep. A lot of that's logs and Excel sheets. Mm -hmm. What's in your pack? What do you? How are you? How are you okay. carrying thirty five hundred calories a day? First thing I did was in those eight months, I looked at making a meal plan for every day, 
and that involved three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I, I put together the highest calorie foods that I could get within a within the scope of what I could carry in my pack. So um, about once a week, Denise would go to the post office and mail at least one, but sometimes two packages, depending on where I expected to be mm-hmm. on the trail. And she would send it to general delivery at some town in right. in there's some in out, Maine there's or there's some outpost somewhere that's got places for for drop drop boxes and stuff. Right. Like yeah. I mean generally about every three to five days you're going to be at a place where you can get access to a town. Some of them are very close and some of them some of them you walk through. You know, you'll walk right through Dalton, Massachusetts as an example. And so as far as worrying about food, you know, there's a deli here, there's a pizza place here, you know, there's a, a hostel where you can get a shower and get your laundry done, those kind of things. Um, yeah, so, um, but Denise was mailing packages to me, and, and I chose to go that route. A lot of guys don't. Um, a lot of guys just take potluck at what they're going to find in the, in the, in the towns. And, and I by virtue of me sending my my meals to me in advance i knew what i was i knew what i wanted to eat and i and i knew what was nutritious and so it would i'd get to a post office and there'd be a box or i'd get to a hostel hostels a lot of times would receive the package for you as well um i'd get there i'd open it up and you know boom i've resupplied for the next period of time on my plan if i knew it was five days i'd have five days of the food if it was three days i'd have three if it was seven i'd have seven days worth of food and off i'd go what were the essentials so um, i'm going to tell you a little story I, I started in maine and the first day i climbed mount katahdin and we'll get back into the that story a little bit more but the second day i entered the 100 mile wilderness in maine and it's 100 miles with no services no real way to just easily get out. It's a hundred miles that you're going to walk through a wilderness. Yeah. And the next town is in Monson. So I'm, I'm carrying maybe 37 pounds on my back and, and I do the hundred mile wilderness made it no problem. I will say this, let me uh, clarify that I did. Uh, it was about eight days and about four days through it, I was able to to arrange for someone to put a resupply of food for me at a point. So I didn't carry eight days worth of food at that point. I carried basically four or five days worth of food. But I got to I got to Monson and I met the owner of the hostel there. His name is his trail name is Poet. By the way, my trail name was Pilgrim. But Poet did what they call is a shakedown for me. And basically what we did was we took every single thing out of my pack and we made three piles. The first pile was, this is absolutely essential. The second pile was, maybe you want, maybe you'll take this, maybe you won't. And the third pile was, we're getting rid of this. And so the getting rid of this pile was, I had a little little chair that weighed about 18 ounces. Mm-hmm. That's going home. Actually, I had already decided that was going home. That was one pound I didn't want to carry. But uh, extra pair of pants, uh, you know, my only pair of long pants went, out, out, it was gone. I had a um, some paracord rope to hang my food with over a tree branch. That went away because it was too heavy. Um, my raincoat went away. It was too heavy. Of course, he sold me a new raincoat, a nice lightweight one. Um, it was really, really helpful. You know, um, we had a good conversation, and 
I left Monson going to my next resupply point, which was only two days away, with 21 and a half pounds on my back. So I went from 37 to 21 and a half pounds. It's all about the weight. Right. It is all about the weight. What did you eat? Oh, great. What, what, what were things that you got sick of? What were things that you never got sick of? Hmm. What was your daily meals? Breakfast was typically bare naked granola with powdered milk uh, in it. And so I would, I would, va- I had vacuum sealed that at home. And then all I had to do was add, add water, stir it up. And it was, it was good to go. I also made these things called peanut butter shakes. I couldn't eat them as often as I wanted to. It was good. It was high energy. It was almost 600 calories, but I just got tired of them. You know, I mean, I was eating one for breakfast and one for lunch. And it was like, I got tired of that. Uh, Lunch would be something like a pack of tuna, a pack of salmon, a pack of chicken with a a cliff bar or something like that, a protein bar. And then uh, later on, I started getting interested in eating uh, a lot of Snickers bars. I would get the little mini Snickers yeah. bars and I ate a lot of those. Dinner most often was a Mountain House freeze-dried meal. Um, did you go beef stroganoff or did you go... Uh... <laughs> beef stroganoff's my favorite. <laughs> Has always been my favorite. Uh, but pasta primavera, lasagna, spaghetti, beef stew. Uh, their chicken dishes are really good too. They have new ones like uh, uh, home-style chicken noodle casserole. Yeah. And, and so... Yeah, a lot of a lot of that. What about the survival side of the pack? I mean, you know, yeah. shelter, fire. So what what's essential for a a backpacking trip of this scope? As I mentioned, poet, the guy in in Monson, Maine, that did the shakedown for me. Basically, his comment to me was, and it, his comment to everyone was, you only carry what you have to keep you alive because it's all about weight. Bottom line. So I had a tent that weighed a little over two pounds. I had a sleeping bag that weighed about two pounds. I had an air mattress that weighed, I don't know, eight, nine ounces. I had one pair of shorts, two pair of underwear, plus a a pair of cotton underwear that I would wear at night in my sleeping bag. Um, Two shirts, one short sleeve, one long sleeve, one ball cap, one puffy jacket, one pair of gloves, one uh, cold weather hat and one pair of trail running shoes and one pair of Crocs. That was it. That was clothing. Now for cooking, I had a jet boil stove, which I would only use to boil water. I never, never cooked any food in it ever. It was always pouring the boiling water into a mountain house meal or pouring warm water into, into uh, coffee in the morning. So, uh, so, so speaking of water, where, did you obviously you didn't pack water? Yes. So that's tell correct. us about that. Yeah, well, you know, water weighs eight pounds per gallon. So uh, when you're trying to carry less than thirty pounds, you, you carry as much water as you can between resupplies, but only what you need to to go between resupplies. So a couple stories. One, um, I started out with what's called a Steri pen. It was an, a UV light that you put into a Nalgene bottle, and you just you just circled it around in the water for 90 seconds and it would it would take care of any anything nasty in the water worked great until it didn't Um, come to find out these things have a shelf life and mine was probably 10 years old when i started i didn't think about it i just thought you know hey you just replace the batteries every 40 quarts of water and you keep going well i'm in maine and 
I went to process my water and it has a green light if it if it if it's good to go and a red light if if you get the red light you just start over again well I got the red light a couple times and so then I changed the batteries out and continued to have the red light so I knew my my water filter was no longer viable so I got off the trail sat on the side of a road with no cell service with my thumb out for 45 minutes <laughs> and a guy stopped and picked me up and took me to Kingfield Maine in the middle of nowhere and I spent the night in a hostel and the next day I went all over that town looking for some type of water filter they didn't have anything did find out that there was a Walmart 20 miles away so I was able to get a ride to the Walmart the guy waited for me I picked up a Sawyer squeeze which is a different type of water filter and he brought me back and then the next morning he picked me up and took me back to the trail the guy was wow. amazing and the, you know the interesting thing was he charged me I think he charged me ten dollars to take me 40 miles round trip and waited for me and I said that's just not enough money and then the, the <laughs> next day he said well I'll take you maybe it was 20 but the next day I'll take you to the trail for for 20 bucks again and uh, I just said that's not enough and he said but well, it's okay I just want some money so I can buy some weed <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I like the transparency there. <laughs> His name was Matt, and he was. It was. It was. A, I could go into much more detail about the story, but it was. It was just a God thing because <laughs> I was desperate for to get back on the trail. So I, I changed from the Steri pin to the Sawyer squeeze, and that carried me for the rest of the trail. No, no issues. It, and I love it now. It's a. It's. It's a much better solution. So that's how I do water. You'd find you'd find a stream, you'd find a lake, preferably a stream because you got more running water. You you fill up a uh, your bottles and then you just you just run them through this filter and it it's gravity fed and it it filters your water. Were these for you. uh were these predetermined streams? Um not always. Uh generally the way you would find anything about the trail is that you're going, I was going southbound, and I was meeting a lot of people early on going northbound. And you're, all, you're, you're always asking, what's the trail look like ahead? Where's the water? What's the, what's the lean-to look like? Or, or if you're going into town, where's a good place to eat? And so it was, it was a, there was a lot of that. You meet a lot of people. And, and so it was for them to be able to say, hey, a quarter of a mile down the trail, there's a spring, and it's got great water. You know, so you, you, you would know wow. right there, you know, how to, how to do that. All right. So you prepared for eight months. You, you've got your essentials in this pack. Um, you've told us a little bit about the journey, but let's really dig into the journey itself. Okay. Like, tell us about just the experiences that mm. you had along the way. Mm. Um, maybe some of the, the points along the way that were fascinating and, and just unpack that for us. August 16th, I got on an airplane, and I flew to Bangor, Maine. Two of my hiking buddies that had done these, these 30 trips over these years that, where we'd gone out west, two of my hiking buddies came with me. They, they joined me for three days up in Maine. We, we met in Bangor. We took a bus to um, Medway, Maine, and then we took a shuttle to Millinocket, where we stayed at, at a lodge overnight. And the next morning at 7 o'clock, we're on the road going to Baxter State Park, where Mount Katahdin is. That's the northern terminus or the start point if you're going south for the Appalachian Trail. I mean, adrenaline is just 
amazing. The first day was a 4,000 foot climb up five, little over five miles. So you're going up a thousand feet wow. every mile to get to the get to the summit where you start. And so you see this thing, right? Oh yeah, you're, you're walking up. And oh you're yeah, like, it's this obstacle is in front of you. Did you have second thoughts? No, not at all. My adrenaline, I was just so jazzed to be there to be doing it. Um, but there is a saying that said, for some people, their first day on the trail is Mount Katahdin, and their last day on the trail is Mount Katahdin. <laughs> and I experienced that with a guy that experience. I had met. I had uh, met a guy on the bus from, from North Carolina, and he was planning a through hike just like me. And we hit it off. We talked, and uh, we started hiking together that morning, and um, he was struggling. And I carried on got to the top it took about three and a half hours to get to the to the summit and it was exhilarating and amazing and and still kind of you don't really realize the scope yet and then coming back down i encountered him again he was he was pretty beat up emotionally and uh and even physically a little bit where he went on back to the the lodge where where, and said i'll see you tomorrow morning and uh, I never, I didn't see him the next morning, but that, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've kept up with him and he's, he's still trying to make it happen. But, uh, but your first day on the trail is pretty, pretty, uh, emotional and pretty, uh, I was full of adrenaline. And then knowing that I was the next day I was going into the hundred mile wilderness, um, was, was just, I just was pumped. I didn't sleep well the first couple of nights, of course, but then went right in, right on in there and started South and, and made it to Monson uh, at the end of the hundred mile wilderness and then, um, got my shakedown and went, it was feeling great. Cause I had no weight in my pack, 21 and a half pounds. I'm thinking, man, this is great. I go to the next, the next resupply point was, which was only a couple days away was, was, um, Caratunk, Maine. And my, I went to the, the hostel where my package was and the thing weighed at least 12 pounds the box was 12 pounds worth of food i had planned on going for a hundred miles with with 12 pounds of food and i was like it was i mean it would it wouldn't even fit in my pack it was just so much food and i was like oh my gosh what was i thinking that was that was my one really moment when i said i wonder if this plan is actually a good plan and so i carried i loaded my pack i mean it was brutal carried my pack up to Pierce Pond Fish Camp, where I met Tim Harrison, a guy who uh, runs this camp, and he makes this great breakfast for hikers. So I went in there and I talked to him. I said, any chance you're going to town in the next couple of days? He goes, I'm going to town tomorrow. I said, would you take half of this food and mail it to Stratton, Maine for me? He said, sure. So, I mean, I gave him the money to take care of it, and he wouldn't take anything extra. I said, I know I gave you plenty for the postage, you know, and and he did. And I went to Stratton, Maine, and I got to Stratton, Maine. I, I mean, I, I took six pounds out of my out of my pack, and so it made it for a much more enjoyable, yeah, enjoyable journey. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a bit of faith in that, right? Just in people and and things happening the way you needed them to happen to support the journey. Yes, yeah. There, uh, I I had nothing but wonderful experiences with with people that i encountered on the trail who who is the most interesting person you met on the trail hmm there were several that i that come to mind 
Um, there was a couple in Rangeley, Maine. I was crossing a highway, and it was an overlook, and it was lunchtime. So I stopped to have lunch, and I, I met this couple, and uh, the woman came up to me and said, is there anything you need? You know, are you, are you, um, are you okay? And I said, I'm, I'm okay. And she said, seems like you're, you're, you're kind of hesitant. I said, well, I got a problem. My, my hip belt on my pack was, was messing up. I needed to get it sewn up a little bit. And I, and she, she persisted and, and they ended up taking me 30 miles to this, this town where there was a gear shop and bringing me back. Now they did need to go to that town to check out of, of a hotel and check into another hotel, but they didn't have to come back. But they, you know, that was what what hikers call trail magic. I call trail blessings. You know, things like that. That was Dan and Ann Curran. They were from North Carolina, and she um, was an actress who portrays historical characters, and <laughs> wow. and it was just a really serendipitous thing. Another time, I met a woman. Farther down, I think it was in New Hampshire, at Little Rock Pond, and there was this this widow, and she had to be 80, and she was out there hiking by herself, and it was cold, and we, you know, it was pouring down rain, and I I made it to this this shelter, and I I met her there, her name was Ruth, and uh, we got to talking, you know, and she just told me that she and her husband used to do a lot of hiking, and he had passed away, and she was just out there trying to relive those memories. And it turns out she didn't have a stove and it was cold and she had tea and oatmeal. But can you imagine eating oatmeal with just with cold, cold water? water? Yeah. So I was able to bless her with, with, we just had my, my stove and I heated up water for her tea and for her, for her oatmeal in the morning and heated whatever she had for dinner that night. We just, we just had a big time and we've kept up. She's, she's, uh, She's a neat, neat woman, and she's she's followed my journey, and uh, has has always been encouraging to me. So I'm going to tell you about Fresh Grounds. He's a guy, former crack addict, and a Christian now. His name is Fresh Grounds. Well, his, his that's his that's his trail name. That's his what he goes by. I don't even honestly, I don't know what his his given name is. <laughs> All he does is he has a van, and he goes to trail crossings, roads, parks, wherever, and he cooks for hikers. That's what he does. That's his life. He does that all during the hiking season. So he'll start in Georgia in the spring, and he'll follow hikers all, you know. He won't wow. stay with the same ones. He's, he's bouncing around, but it's his ministry. And he doesn't preach about Jesus or anything. He just feeds people. He just feeds people. And it's amazing. So it... He's not charging you for the meals. No, nope, no. Nope, oh wow. No. Nope. I thought I was thinking food truck for hikers, but this is No, no, no. This is this is he just gives it all away. Amazing. And uh so I was I had heard about him and I had missed him several times. I'd heard you know heard of him and then and then one day I met a guy. He was going I was going north and and he was going south and we'll get into that why I was going north at that point. But he said, "Hey, I just had a a burger with fresh grounds." I'm like, where is he? He said, just like a mile or two down the road. And man, I mean, you talk about energy. I just took off because I knew, I mean, a hamburger. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> so I get there and he says, oh, I just shut my grill down. He said, how about a grill? I mean, just, he was done cooking hamburgers. But he said, hey, how about a grilled cheese? I was like, I, every, that's beautiful. And we got, we hit it off and we talked and we chatted. And I got to find out about his ministry and, and I prayed for him. And he is so winsome because he knows he's dealing with people that are coming from, all different 
mm-hmm. walks of life, in all different places in their life. People that are just lost and people that are followers of Christ. So I started in Maine on August 17th. I climbed Mount Katahdin on August 17th of 2022. I headed south, and I made it all the way almost to the end of Vermont, which was just about 600 miles. And one afternoon, I was trying to meet some people a little farther than I should have gone, and I really, really pushed it really hard, and I hurt my leg. Either pulled a muscle or got a a slight shin splint in my left leg. And so for the next five days, I could barely walk. Bound and determined, I was going to get to Massachusetts. I was going to get through Vermont. I was going to get to Massachusetts. So I did. I got to, I got to Massachusetts. I knew I couldn't continue. I, was, I had to take a break. So I got a shuttle to Albany, New York, and got on a plane and flew home. It was October 5th. So I made it from August 17th to October 5th through Maine, through New Hampshire, through the White Mountains, through um, on top of Mount Washington when it was the wind chill was seven degrees on September 16th. And you still only had a I pair had, of shorts. I had a pair of shorts. I had my rain pants and I had my rain pants on over my shorts and I had my, my, my rain jacket on over my puffy jacket <laughs> and I had my balaclava on and I had my gloves on. And, and I was like, this is scary. Mount Washington is known to have the worst weather in the world. In fact, in 2023, they set a record wind chill at a minus 108 earlier this year. So it's crazy. But it was, anyway, so I made it to Massachusetts and I flew home. I, I spent two weeks here in Memphis and then I felt like my leg was okay. And so I went over to, to Georgia because it was a little late in the year to go back up to New England and start hiking south. And so I went, I went to Georgia. That would have been middle of October. It was October 19th. So yeah. I'd gone south from Maine to Massachusetts and now I'm going north from Georgia to, back to Massachusetts. Overnight lows were in the 20s already. Uh, mm-hmm. in Georgia, in the mountains. But it was fine. I was so, so excited that my leg was, was okay. And I made it to Neal's Gap, which is only about 30 miles up the trail. And I'm, I'm sitting on a patio. It was relatively warm that, that afternoon, probably 50s or whatever. And I'm eating my lunch. And this guy walks up and he says, hey, can I hike with you? And I was like, I mean, I talked to him for a few minutes and I said, well, look, I said, yeah, but I'm doing 15 miles a day. And if I'm happy that for you to go with me, but I've got a plan and I need to make 15 miles a day. He says, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Okay. He was a brand new novice hiker. I said, well, go get yourself some. I said, do you have food? He said, no, I got I got to get some food. I said, go get some food, take your time. It's no rush. And we'll, we'll head out. So the guy's name was Steven. And he goes away. He, he comes back. He's got some, like, plastic bags with food in it. I'm thinking he's bought Mountain House Meals, and he's bought some tuna packs and, you know, some, some protein bars and all that. I don't, even, I don't even ask him what he's bought. I figured, you know, he's buying food, right? And so we start up the trail. We didn't get a mile up the trail, and it was getting warm. It was afternoon. The sun had come out, and it was getting warm. And I said, well, I'm going to take off my jacket. And he says, yeah. I need to I need to take off some stuff too. He had was wearing four shirts and three pair of pants. And 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 I said, "Well, you know, okay. And let me let me help you with that." And so I he said, "I don't know where I'm going to put this stuff." I said, "We'll figure it out." So he changes into his his one shirt and one pants and now we got this other stuff. And uh, he he opens his pack and he pulls out an empty bottle of Grey Goose vodka. No. Empty. 
And I was like, okay, all right, what's this for? He said, this is my personal protection. I said, okay, what are you going to use that against? Well, maybe a bear. I was like, mm, you don't need that. And then he, the next thing he pulls out is a king. Obviously, he had already emptied it himself. No, Could I don't think so. Like I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, the guy was, he, he did have some pipe he was smoking that was supposedly giving him energy. I don't know what it was. Um, but like I said, there's all kinds of crazy people on the trail. So then he pulls, the next thing he pulls out of his pack is a cellophane-wrapped King James Bible. It weighed about three pounds. It was uh, given to him, and he says, I... I, I can't not carry this. Uh, somebody gave it to me. I said, okay. Um, it, it weighed about three pounds. Okay. And then uh, I said, well, what do, what do you, um, why do you have your trekking poles on the side of your pack? He said, well, one of them's broken. Why are you carrying a broken <laughs> trekking pole? Okay. So anyway, we stuff all this. We get everything back in his pack. We leave the gray goose bottle at this little um, spot on the trail. And then when I, I met a hiker coming south just a few minutes later, I said, look, there's a Grey Goose bottle. It needs to go in the trash. Would you please pick it up? <laughs> Can you imagine and, what that guy was thinking? <laughs> I, mean, I, I, told, I mean, I told him the story a little bit, you know. So, I mean, it's just, I'm, I, I don't, we don't litter, you know. I mean, right, you right. know, so. You pack it in, you pack it out. But, so, so we, get, we get to our first night, and he's huffing and puffing and, and just having a tough time. I think he even fell once or twice. He pulls out this huge tent, and he's setting this tent up, and, and I'm setting my little tent up, and I filtered some water and gave him some water, and then uh, I said, well, come on, we're going to go cook dinner over here at the shelter. So we get over there, and I'm cooking beef stroganoff or whatever, <laughs> and he, he pulls out a pack of Doritos and Payday candy bar. I said, is that your dinner? He goes, yeah. I was like, okay, you're going to be hungry. And so we... Um, he ate that, and I offered him, you know, some food. He said, "No, no, I'm good." Okay, and uh, so, and he uh, he was from New York, and he talked nonstop. I mean, from the moment oh, we got on the trail, he was talking, 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 and and I was going, "Oh my!" So I would I would hike a little bit ahead to just say, you know, to myself, "I got to get give this guy some some distance so I can have my sanity." Uh, the next day, we we ran into a fella. Travis from from another guy from Georgia and he was helpful because he was helping Stephen along the way well eventually Travis got tired of Stephen's talking and so Travis and I are hiking ahead and we hear behind us this loud scream and so we turn we put our packs down we go back and here's Stephen just face down on the trail he he'd hit his head in his face on a rock he'd fallen and hit his hit his face his nose was broken. He had a cut under his eye. Um, oh man! So we we uh, we get him to a, a road crossing, and we just convinced him, "You need to go get checked out. You probably need stitches." He did not need stitches, but he did have a concussion along with his broken nose. And so he kept telling me, you know, texting me along the way, he says, "I'm going to catch up with you. I'm going to catch up with you and go and go." And uh, uh, it, fortunately or unfortunately. For him, it never worked out. He he wasn't feeling well enough to come back on the trail. But that was the most interesting experience of of trying to help someone and and just just um, it was impossible. But the foods he was eating, literally, he and he even complained he had he bought Doritos and Fritos and he got like chili cheese Fritos. He said, "Oh man, I didn't realize I bought these. I hate these things." <laughs> so so I'm hiking north. I, I left Stephen. I'm I'm 
um, on my way north, and on was November 9th, I got to Irwin, Tennessee. So I'd made it 350 miles. Starting in Georgia. Starting in Georgia. So now I'm at 950 miles. My goal when I started in August was to, to hike south for 1,000 miles and then take the winter off. So I felt like, okay, I'd made my, I'd made my goal. So um, I'm in Irwin at, at Uncle Johnny's Hostel. It's a, it's a well-known, you know, everybody stays at Uncle Johnny's, and it was kind of a dive, but, you know, whatever. Everybody stays at Uncle Johnny's. Well, I met a guy named Vic, Vic Bennett, from Atlanta, Georgia. And we hit it off. We were talking. We were the only two in the, in the, in the deal. We talked. He says, you know, I'm, I'm a brand-new hiker. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, shades of Steven here. <laughs> um, but, um, but, I, but he'd made it from Springer Mountain, 344 miles, 350 miles. I said, you made it 350 miles. You're, you're, you know what you're doing. You didn't die. You, you made it this far. You're okay. He's like, oh, man, I really, I really, really, really would love to, to connect with you and hike with you. I said, well, let's see what, you know, let's, let's, let's give it a try. I said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and, and give it another go after Thanksgiving. And the reason I was going home was the weather forecast was temperatures in the teens and snow over the next 10 days. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be out here doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm crazy, but I ain't stupid. <laughs> so, so I went home. And so on November 27th, Vic and I met and we, we hiked 125 miles together and we went home for Christmas and we stayed home for like six weeks and then came back middle of January and did another 125 miles. And we, we were compatible. We, you know, we got along. He could keep up. I could keep up with him. We, we got along pretty well. So we agreed to come back in February and we did. We hiked from Irwin, Tennessee, 1,200 miles together, all the way to the Mass- to Massachusetts, Vermont border. We had we had a good we had a good relationship, and we had a we had a unique experience that last that last section of the trail because we were out in the winter, and because we had cars, we um, we did something really kind of cool. We call it's called slack packing. It's where you you start at one end of the trail. And you, and you finish at another end of the trail during the day, but all you're carrying is lunch and water and a first aid kit. So it was, you're carrying like 12 or 13 pounds instead of 30. And so we did a lot. I mean, we did basically slack packed from the whole section going north from where we started. And it was, it was fabulous. And we slept in our cars at night. Most nights we slept in our cars. I had a bit, I have a CRV. And I kid you not, I have a, I had a bed that was that was six feet long, and it was super comfortable, and it worked out just great. Where would you park that CRV? Okay, so <laughs> there were there there were multiple options. Some nights we'd park right at the trailhead. There'll be a there'll be a parking lot, and there were other cars parked there, and we just we just parked there with the other cars. Other nights when we needed to go into town to get food or resupply, or we'd go in to get dinner which is really awesome. If you don't think you can eat a whole pizza, a whole big pizza, try hiking the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. I proved that you can do it. <laughs> and I did it, unfortunately, pretty regularly. Um, but we, but Walmart, you know, they allow people to, to camp, people that are camping to camp in their, stay in their parking lot. So Walmart's, um, we never, st- I don't think we ever stayed at a Cracker Barrel. They're the same. And then, and then um, Cabela's, uh, you can stay at a Cabela's as well. Of the people that attempt a through hike on the Appalachian Trail. Generally, the rule of thumb is less than one in four, or about one in four, are able to do it. So that's twenty-five percent. And so, in preparing for the the hike, I did a lot of reading about that, and I actually talked to a guy who had attempted the Appalachian Trail, who 
wasn't able to complete it because of an injury. And he, he said that the first 400 miles is, is physical. 75% of your effort is in, is in physical exertion. And 25% of it's up here in mental. And then when you get that 400 miles under your belt, you've proven that you can do the, the physical. And now it, be, it flips. It becomes 75% mental. So that being said, how did I choose not to give up? Well, I already alluded to the fact that I told a thousand people that I was going to do this and I didn't want to come home just because I quit. Now, if I got injured or something, I did get injured and came home for a, you know that one two week period. But I told people I'm going to do this and, I, and I, I wanted to follow through on it. There's also a saying, hike your own hike, whether you do 15 miles a day or 25 miles a day or five miles a day, it's your hike. You hike it however you want to hike it. If you want to, you know, stay in a hostel every chance you get, if you want to spend three days in every town you reach, you know, that's your hike. Hike your hike. The, the, the mental part of the trail is dealing with being alone, missing your family, eating kind of the same food, sleeping in a tent, wearing dirty clothes, being smelly, and having nagging injuries, and also, of course, dealing with the weather. The day, the day in, day out drudgery will mess with you. You will talk to yourself, question yourself, and ask yourself, why are you doing this? So one thing we want to do with every podcast as we introduce stories and people is book in your expedition, book in the interview with a, with a couple questions. And, and the first one is this. You traveled 2,200 miles, went through a number of states, came 14. across 14 yes. states, came across countless people. How did God show up in this trip and the way you least expected it. We'll ask the second question and you, and you can answer both. The second question is this, if you learned one thing from this trip, what would you want to pass along to the men of Living Hope? I think if you, if you put your mind to anything, the human spirit with God's help, you can do anything you put your mind to. I mean, we live in a country where we are free to make our own choices and to do whatever it is we want to do. Find what your passion is and go do that. Because what the world needs is men who are passionate about what they do. Right. Whether it's work, whether it's a goal, whether it's a hobby, whether it's your grandkids or your kids, go do it. God show up in this expedition where you least expected it. I will, yeah, um, I will say that there were a number of ways. I mean, I've never been afraid of animals. Like, I, was, I never lost sleep because I was afraid a bear was going to come you know, attack me. So um, that's probably somewhat naive. And, and yet I know that God, God's protecting me. I know God, I know God that went before me along this, this whole journey. There was a day I was climbing up out of Fontana Dam and I got to the top of the ridge and I stepped on a rock and I, I went, I had an uncontrolled fall right on my chest. I hit my chin and scratched up my arms and, and I could have busted my entire mouth open or, you know, broken a leg or an arm. And was I sore? Yeah, I was sore for a few days. But I feel like God's hand was in that. There was an, uh, at the last day, last full day in the 100-mile wilderness, I was coming into a, a shelter. And I twisted my ankle. I mean, I twisted it purple. And I, I went to bed that night and I prayed. I said, God, you know, I know you're, I know you're good. And I know you're gonna take care of me, and I'm I'm trusting that I'm gonna be able to get up and walk tomorrow morning. And I got up the next day and I walked out of there without any pain. Now I I know and I I experienced God's hand 
several times on things that could have gone pretty far south, but didn't. And so I know God was with me. And the other amazing thing was I was in the Word every day. Before I would start my hike every day, I, I just opened Scripture and I would read, you know, whatever passage I was at. Um, I, I really enjoyed Proverbs at one point. I would work through the, through the Scripture. And I had in my head a prayer list of a mile long. And I could pray all day long. You know, we, we hear that say that saying, pray without ceasing. And I would walk and I, it was just an open, open conversation with God the whole day. I was praying for people that I knew who had cancer. I would pray for forgive and living hope and the elders. I would pray for, of course, I'd pray for my wife and my family for their, their protection and safety and just people I knew that were going through stuff. And I would share Christ in, in my own way on the trail. I would ask people how they were doing. And if they had a burden, I would ask if I could pray for them. And it was amazing the number of people that let me pray for them on the trail right there. And they were very grateful. And And I'll close with this one story. I was in Pennsylvania and I was hiking and I met uh, a woman from New York. Her name was, her trail name was Scrambles. And we got talking and she had on her pack strap, a picture of a young man. And I said, can you tell me about that? He said, that's my son. He died three weeks ago. And she said, I'm out here just trying to, to grieve, but to, to, to just be here. And I said, I said, what, what was his name? She said, his name was Gregory. And I said, my name's Greg. And at that moment we embraced and she cried and I cried. We just held each other for a couple of moments and I prayed for her and I prayed for peace for her and for healing. We said our goodbyes and she went north and I was going south that day. It was very, very powerful. Very powerful. Well, Greg, thanks for your time. This just brief story of eight months of your life is, I mean, the, the story is just more than we could have asked for for our first podcast. Well, I don't even think we unpacked it all. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to keep going after we close <laughs> this right. down. Yeah. And, and yeah, so uh, to the men of Living Hope, if, if you guys run across Greg, I, I think he'd be more than open to... Uh, sharing more of this experience. Awesome time. Thank you. Thanks.